Welcome to the Outer Limits of Inner Tooth Radio Show. OuterLimitsRadio.com. I'm your host, Ryan. Tonight, we're going to present a forensic soul analysis on Gaia, the spirit of Earth. We're going to find out if Gaia has had any previous physical life incarnations. We're also going to find out if Gaia is currently mad at humanity for either polluting or for savagely killing the animals. We really are going to focus on Gaia's relationship to humanity. And I look at this special the way we look at our own bodies. We look at our bodies and inside we have a lot of cells, a lot of organs. They're all working and they may be competing or even fighting with each other but not being fully aware that they're part of one body. But when they're all working together in harmony, our bodies are very healthy. And if humanity is working with itself in peace and working and has a great relationship with the earth, I believe overall the earth is a lot healthier, can be a lot healthier. So we're going to focus on these deep questions. The Outer Limits of Tooth Radio Show proudly presents an introspective analysis on Gaia, the mother of earth. Joining us now is globally respected psychic medium, healer, and reader, Miss Lisa McGarity. We can learn more about Ms. McGarity and get a reading with Ms. McGarity by going to her website at lisamcgarity.com. And you can check out her website for her great store, Envision Crystal, by going to it at envisioncrystal.com. Ms. McGarity, what insight can you provide to us about Gaia, the spirit of Earth? Well, nice to hear from you, Ryan, and nice to talk to you. you. I'm so glad that you guys are taking the time uh, to focus on our mother because a lot of us, I think, as we go about our business, even people who are on a spiritual path, we forget how important, how critical our, our existence in harmony with Gaia really is. She's not just our mother, but we are part of her, and she's part of us, and we simply can't exist without her well-being and her good health. So truly, it should be the first thing we're thinking about when we're attempting to be on a spiritual journey. Okay, so... If you are, how does one become more aligned to Gaia, to become more aligned to Spirit of Earth? And what are some of the qualities and benefits of being in harmony and work with Gaia? Well, the qualities and benefits are just innumerable. You will, you will definitely have a happier, more balanced, more fulfilling experience on planet Earth if you are in alignment with planet Earth. And one of the first things you can do to kind of tune into her energy is just to, to pay attention to the seasons and the rhythm of the seasons wherever you happen to be living. And that's not just, you know, to think about, oh, it's spring in your mind, but to really go outside, notice what's happening, get a sense of the plants, the animals in your area where you live, and spend time out in nature. That always opens up a, a more harmonious, peaceful, energetic center for people who take the time to do it. Okay. And when you are working with various clients and you're creating metaphysical spells for them to attain certain aspects or desires and you're utilizing certain oils and certain herbs and essences, how do those physical properties of those oils and products that you're using get magnified or changed if the person is in closer alignment with Gaia? Does that magnify, does it change at any capacity at all? It certainly does. That's an excellent question. Everything that we use in magic, the way that I practice, comes from our mother, whether it's an herb, a stone, 
or even just, you know, noting the seasons or the cycles of the moon. That's all about being in tune with the earth and where she is in the cosmos. So as soon as you're in tune, as soon as you're in alignment with that, everything else proceeds from there and becomes easier to manifest. You're in the flow of her world and her motions, her movements, and your life begins to line up with her rhythms as well. And it's magical, really, how things start to manifest when you're in harmony instead of working against the natural course of things. In previous conversations, we've talked about how to ground yourself. And is there any particular chakra that you'd recommend that people work on or work on balancing that would help them to become in closer alignment with Gaia, the fastest or the, the most effective chakra to work on, being closest closest alignment with Gaia? Really, I would have to say it's, it's three chakras that would be most important. And the first, of course, is what's referred to in common Western culture as the root chakra. When we think about that as being the space on, you know, the seat of your spine and the color is red. But you can also tune the root chakra up and be more healthful if you focus on the energy from your feet. So if you were to even just go out and stand on grass, stand on the sand, and really notice the energy down at your feet, stand firmly on Mother Earth, tune into her and pull energy up, that's an excellent way to tune and open and balance the earth chakra or the root chakra. So that's a great place to start. The second important space to tune into would be the heart. The heart opens us up to compassion, and one of the first experiences that many spiritual students have when they begin to open the heart is a feel an overwhelming compassion for Mother Earth for the crisis she's in right now, for her need for healing and for a need for feminine energy all over the world to be blessed and healed. And then, of course, another great chakra that will also help us with our understanding of our path on the Earth would be the crown chakra. As we open our crown, which is located you know, right at the top of our head and a few up about six inches above our head even, as you open that up, you're, you will hear transmissions from other dimensions, but they will be coming here to the earth as well. So that's a great way to be, you know, in alignment with three important centers. And a lot of times if you pay attention to those three, the others will harmonize and open up as well. Okay. If you look deep within, or if you, if you've ever, I don't know if you've ever felt this out or pondered it, but do you think or feel that, this generation or this aspect of humanity, the current people are on the planet, do they pose or do they pose the greatest threat to the existence of Gaia throughout other civilizations that have been here or have other civilizations existed on planet Earth that have been more detrimental or have wielded a considerable amount more power that could actually threaten the very existence and uh, livelihood of Gaia? Well, my understanding is that there have been many civilizations here on this planet that we're not even aware of in our normal, everyday written history. And some of them were dangerous, and some of them did do things that were difficult for the planet. But she survived. She's still here. And I think sometimes we forget that we belong to her. And if we really are impeding her progress, if we're stopping her evolution, then who knows, maybe she'll shake us off and move on and create another another species or another generation to come instead. So if we don't pay attention to what she needs, what her limitations are, if we don't harmonize ourselves to each other, to the animals, the plants, the minerals, all the spirits that are here on the planet, we, we may experience very dramatic change, and we might even be sort of shaken off or 
moved around or rearranged because we all know she's a lot more powerful than any of us. Uh, and, Sigurd, I have just two more quick questions for you. The idea of Gaia, the fact that we are existing on Earth and part of Gaia, is it somehow a outer reflection of what could be going on inside of our bodies, the fact that we have all these millions of cells that are all kind of working together, yet they're separate. We have separate organs, and one way, like, we are, are we part of a vital organ for, for Gaia, the way our cells and our internal organs are a vital part that composes our collective body? We are indeed a part of her, and as well as she's a part of us, and she is also a part of the solar system, which is part of the galaxy, just as each of our internal organs have individual cells that are like miniature solar systems. We can expand that idea out into the cosmos, or we can you know, move it down deep to the smallest atomic and subatomic parts. But in the end, I, I would really say that we're her children. I wouldn't say that we're a, a necessary, you know, I'm a mother, and I love my daughter more than my own life, but I wouldn't consider her to be uh, an organ of mine. She's a blessed, beautiful, amazing creation of mine and her dad. And so what I would say is that we are Mother Earth's creation. And we really need to have more respect for her as our divine and blessed mother. Jeevi, is she under assault right now? Is the planet, is Guy under a great assault from humanity, unlike other periods of time? Or is this. I would have to say yes. I think that we're, we're in a state right now where we're, as we threaten each other, we threaten her. And we threaten her with chemical warfare. We threaten her with all acts of violence. We threaten her with, you know, the possibility of nuclear warfare. Certainly the weather changes are, are absolutely, you know, terrifying. It's time for us to really start to address those. But we can do it. It's just a matter of waking up our consciousness as individuals, and then that inspires change across the planet. Okay. And, Mr. Gary, the final question for you is this. Is I've heard that the way a soul evolves, it takes on various forms. It could be light. It could be color. It could be a rock, it could be an animal, I guess it's a steady progression or a progression throughout all aspects of various forms in the physical form. Is Gaia a an advanced spirit, shall we say, or a spirit that could have once been human that perpetually grew and evolved that is taking on a more greater physical form that will take on another form once its conclusion and life force has drained away from the earth? I think it's a very human question to ask if she was ever human. I mean, the possibilities of what she may have been besides Earth are, are huge and vast. And, you know, it's funny, we always kind of look through our own eyes at what the situation might be. Mm-hmm. But I do believe that, that Gaia as our Earth, as our planet, and as the spirit of the Earth is evolving. And I think one of the ways that she's evolving is she may be changing um, what magical folks or metaphysical folks call density, her vibration. Vibration is changing. And so one of the things that we'll need to master as we move forward in time is matching our vibration to the vibration of the planet and staying in harmony with her evolution. Okay, when you say vibration changing, does that have anything to do with the idea that an intention might manifest into physical reality much quicker regardless of the vibrational frequency or deserving ability of the person at hand? It, yes, as the vibration of your experience changes, as your vibration or mind changes, then yes, the perception of it manifesting quickly does happen as well. It's hard to wrap your mind around, but it is important to remember that all time is happening simultaneously. So as your vibration quickens, 
then what the resistance we experience or sort of the time lag lessens, and we're able to be in our experience that much more swiftly. I'm not sure if that makes sense. It's hard for yes. me to understand sometimes, but that's, that's the way that I've been told. Uh, make total sense. Miss Lisa McGarry, that was a real thorough and uh, great analysis on Gaia. Thank you so much. And to learn more about Miss Lisa McGarry, go to her website at lisamcgarry.com. Get a reading with her there. You can also go to Restore at envisioncrystal.com. It is the best metaphysical store in the world. They always have great products, candles, books, anything out there that's new and cutting edge. Lisa's store has it. Ms. McGarity, thank you so much. Truly an honor. Thank you for having me, Ryan. Joining us now is the returning Outer Limits of Inner Truth radio show guest and fantastic energy healer. He's also the founder of a website called transcodes.com. Please welcome back to the program, Mr. Jeff Casper. Mr. Casper, thank you so much for being with us today. You bet, Ryan. Good to talk to you. Two, what can you tell us about Gaia, the essence of Earth? your explorations well you know the the essence of I or that energy it's a connection to the planet it's a connection to grounding and what it typically is linked to is femininity well, actually, and that's, you know, I'm, Jeff I'm sorry I got to pause you right there I think I think I said Gaia not um you're talking about I or Gaia is it I or Gaia no it's Gaia do you want to read do, yeah. do the intro yeah I'll, let me do yeah, the intro fine. again okay okay <laughs> and <laughs> I just want to make sure. And three, two, one. Joining us now is returning guest to the Outer Limits of Inner Truth radio show. He is a fantastic energy healer, energy worker, and he's also founder of the website transcodes.com. Please welcome back to the program, Mr. Jeff Casper. Thank you so much for being with us, Mr. Casper. You bet, Ryan. Good to be here. Thank you. Mr. Casper, what can you tell us? about Gaia, the spirit of Earth? Well, Gaia and the spirit of Earth is a, is a link that um, when you begin on the journey or at some point in the journey, it can really help to link into that because not only is it linking you to nature, um, to beauty, to softness, it also is a link to femininity. And a lot of us need that because we live in a very intense, um, aggressive world that's very yang, it's very male-centered. So by learning how to connect to Gaia and the spirits of nature, um, you can begin to rebalance your energy within. And that's the real beauty of the Gaia energy. And it's available to anybody. Anybody can do this. Okay, what are some of the methods that you've utilized or you've recommended to people in order to connect with Gaia? Simple ones would be walking through the woods. That's a real simple one. Or walking in nature anywhere. That's an immediate link. Um, playing with animals, that's another very simple one. Um, just sitting on like a sacred spot that you consider sacred, like it could be a place by a lake, it could be in your front yard in grass. It's just connecting to that energy of earth. Um, you can also, I mean, this is before you can get into meditation or energy techniques, just working with earth. You know, if you get into a garden, if you get into um, digging out things and stuff like that, using your hands in, the, in that earth and, and within Gaia, it really can add to that. And then when you get into meditation techniques, you can actually visualize in a deep state diving down into the earth and linking in as deep as you can to the energy. And if you go there deep enough, typically you will begin to feel a representation of peace, um, femininity, and just general softness. And that can really begin to help you harness in or work with various aspects of the journey. 
we were engaging or focusing your attention and energy on Gaia, do you ever get a sense or a feeling that Gaia has a distinctive personality, like a human-like quality or personality that would make uh, you know, the, the spirit different than other surrounding hierarchy of spirits you've come in contact with? Um, I think that the energy of Gaia or the Earth has its own kind of karma and its own plan. Um, I, I would be hard-pressed to kind of put it into a feeling of a more human-like energy. It's more of an energy and a field. So there is a person, I guess there would be, and the personality is not the right word, but more of a feeling to it. And you can feel that pulse. You can begin to feel the earth around you. There are people that are phenomenal at this, that can feel that collective energy and the connection to Gaia with that and dig into it. Um, and you can also do that yourself. So I would say it's more of a feeling and a link you get to that as opposed to a real personality. Okay. Because that'd be kind of trying to personify There's... an energy. Got it. There are some people who say that humanity is hurting Gaia, that humanity, through the slaughter or the murder of the animals for consumption for food or the pollution, are somehow you know, hurting Gaia, putting a, being assault on Gaia. Yet thinking about the existence of Earth over the course of four billion years, Gaia has uh, had ice ages. You've had periods of the Earth that have been very chaotic. Asteroids have hit the Earth. It seems... Uh, that there are a lot of natural occurrences that are, have caused much more destruction on the planet than humanity is ever capable of. I'm curious to know, does Gaia look at those natural disasters as affronts or threats to its existence the same way it would potentially view humanity as a threat to its existence? Um, in my view, I would say no, because it, it's an energy and it's a field. And yes, there are things that we do that make the earth unstable. There are things that we do that do damage the ozone layer or other aspects or create you know, problems with, uh, if you want to go into global warming and all that kind of stuff. Sure, there are things that human, the home, humankind itself or human beings do, and that will typically be balanced out. Um, guys have been here a lot longer than we have. This planet's been here you know, way longer than the blip that human experience has been. Um, and those other things like earthquakes and asteroids, if you look at the macrocosm of things, that's just part of the game. You know, we have one little snippet. This planet is one tiny little snippet of a massive universe. So those are all just parts of the game. And, you know, in a long enough timeline, they're going to happen. So I don't find those as affronts. It's just more part of the existence of humanness and being human on this planet. Okay. Have you ever perceived earth in an alternative dimension for which you have uh, traveled to and if so how have the properties or the spirit of earth been represented in these alternative dimensions um well alternative dimensions would be would be typically Thanks. removed from the earth go ahead yeah no i'm sorry oh i was just saying that um, if, if, you, if you've gone to various dimensions like various levels of hell or heaven has Earth appeared there, and does Earth have a commanding presence in either of these dimensions? So I want to yeah, ask. they can. Um, yes, they. Earth does show up sometime in those, but again, it depends upon kind of what dimension you're going to. Um, some of the dimensions demonstrate what could happen to Earth, what may happen, um, but that potentiality is always changing based upon what the collective decides, and that can also change. So sometimes when you go into those different existences or different um, dimensions, you may get snippets of information, and sometimes it comes out, you know, many predictions come out accurate, other times they don't. Uh, and that's just due to the overall propensity of what 
time through creation. Is there any chance that a person could show a deep respect for Gaia and in doing so maybe prevent Gaia from, I don't know, taking him out, him or her out with a volcano, with a tornado? Like if you go up to Gaia, you tell Gaia every day I love you, and then this guy would be like, all right, you know, tornado's not hitting your house, pal. Is that, I, mean, I know it sounds like a childish type question, but I'm, it's serious. I mean, do, do people who respect Gaia kind of get spared from natural disasters? Well, I think that comes down to your overall energy quality, and I think to a degree as your energy quality increases, and I actually know this just from, from the truth from my heart, that as your energy increases, you have a lower chance of having accidents occur to you. The research is out there. Um, but there's still karmic propensity. There's still things you work out that, that even though that chance decreases, it's still there, you know, and if you have a deep connection with spirit or excuse me, with uh, nature and with Gaia, um, you can also build a relationship that actually adds to your life, you know, because you're enhancing beauty by enhancing beauty. You pull yourself out of multiple lower fields of energy, of emotions, astral planes, you name it. So that can be um, very beneficial. Yes. Is it outright going to protect you hundred percent? No, because we don't know the full propensity of what we have going on in our lives due to, what we've done or haven't done yet. That's it. Mr. Jeff Casper, thank you so much. And to learn more about Mr. Casper, please go to his website at transcodes.com. Always a pleasure to have you on, Mr. Casper. Really great analysis. Really appreciate it. You bet, right. It was great. Thank you very much. Joining us now is Marie Menachery, author, healer, and metaphysical teacher. You can learn more about her by going to her website at energyintuitive.com. Ms. Fender Cherry, what can you tell us about your perspectives about the spirit of Earth, Gaia? Yeah, Gaia, uh, gorgeous. In fact, one of my favorite herbal companies is actually near you in North Carolina. It's called Gaia Herbs. Wonderful. That's all organic, fabulous. Um, I know that doesn't really relate to the topic, but a little <laughs> bit. Um, well, I think the Earth is her own being. I, I don't believe that we come here, you know, as human beings by some horrible lottery and, uh, you know, uh, oh, darn, you get Earth. I think it's a conscious decision, a good one, based on all kinds of information. And I think the Earth herself, Gaia, made a decision to be a planet, that she's a soul, too, and uh, she decided to be this incredible being that houses all of us, not just humans, but you know, all the life that lives upon her. And uh, I believe that she can't be more conscious than the beings who live upon her, because like attracts like when you look at metaphysics and the movement of energy. And so that means she's as conscious as all the inhabitants, which you could be deeply conscious as, let's say, Bali, um, and maybe wanting to grow in more consciousness when we look at other parts of the world where there's a lot of crime or you know, violence. So she's learning with every environmental problem that happens with her. It helps her to learn. You know, like if a river dries up, she might be going, oh, that's interesting. I wonder how I feel about that. Because this is a planet of, of contraction, and a lot of learning comes from contractual experiences. So um, I, I believe she's powerful beyond measure, that if she wanted us to be gone, we could be gone, and apparently she's gotten rid of life many, many times already um, on this gracious planet. So I think she's incredible, very, very alive, and in sync with everything that lives upon her. Very okay. conscious in that. 
you mentioned that the guy could be only as conscious as the beings that are are on the planet. When you think about human beings, we see maybe like seven billion people that are on the planet. But in reality, compared to animals, it seems that there are so many more animals that are on there. If you look at animals, I mean, it seems like animals, while they do kill each other, they don't seem like they deliberately make attempts to maybe repress their their other animals, or they don't make deliberate attempts to, you know, kill their fellow animals um, or harvest them in some capacity. That's not. I mean, you're you're right in that case. I mean, we're definitely more calculated in the way that we do that. But I have three cats, and two of they all eat very delicious, high quality, grain free food. And I recently moved to a house that has a green belt in the background, and my cats who don't need any cat food have killed a lot of mammals since I moved in. And okay. So, I, again, you know, animal life has its own consciousness as well. I think what's different about animals and humans is that animals can connect to a higher vibration of consciousness faster than humans can because they're not thinking about all the things that we think about. They definitely know how to be present. They know how to rest. They don't have a lot of stress unless their environment is creating some stress like lack of food or too much heat or things of that nature. They definitely know how to get present, which is where the highest moment of consciousness exists anyway. Does Gaia have any kind of reaction or anger coming towards humanity for how they've treated or mistreated the animals on the planet? Or what they've done to the environment. I, I would say more, like, more or less, focus on the animals because it seems that they're human beings. They, they can be very cruel to, to animals. And sure, uh, I, I don't think direct. so. I, I, I don't think so. I, I think that that's part of what she's learning, what she's trying to understand. Um, because if she were really angry at us, she could get rid of us easily. And she doesn't. She doesn't. You know, there, there's, we have natural disasters, but we don't have enough to take out a significant amount of our population. And and I think that there's something to remember. Every species of life, and remember, everything's made out of energy, so even things that we don't consider as life, like inanimate objects, are alive with energy. But everything has a consciousness and a soul, and everything's having an experience. So even when a species is moving towards extinction, it could be a group conscious decision that they don't want to incarnate on planet Earth anymore. So I think it's important to remember it's not just the human or animal experience on Earth. We have this other, grander experience that's part of bigger consciousness that is quite profound and very meaningful, even though from the Earth's perspective it could seem limiting or negligent. Okay. So have you ever come across or have you ever uh, felt or got an overwhelming sense that Gaia has wiped out other civilizations or human-like civilizations throughout the course of Gaia's existence, Earth's existence, which appears to be over 4 billion years yeah, old? Yeah, I'm sure that uh, in, in that, like when we have a tsunami or some horrible, you know, uh, Earth disaster, but those souls are choosing to go. So the souls are wanting to leave at that time. So it's, it's a combination of awareness that humans probably don't have where the Earth is working in the whole picture of what would be best in the divine plan. I think it's important to think about, and humans could vibrate in this energy as well. It's a choice. We don't do it. But I think the earth is very neutral. I don't think that Gaia is emotional. I I think that she is calm in her experience and more reflective and acts like a witness, which is what humans are working towards in our evolutionary process to get out of our minds, become non-reactive, and connect to the whole big picture while we experience something or witness an, an experience. Okay. And is there anything you've been able to, able to sorry, let me phrase a question. 
how do you feel like Gaia has actually evolved or grown or evolved spiritually as a direct result of humanity being a part or living on, on the planet? That's a really good question. I don't know if I'll be able to exact, exactly answer it because it's such a fabulous question. I, I do think that the planet's energy has changed enormously in a positive way. Uh, years ago when, you know, when witches were being sought after in a, in a negative way years ago, um, the energy was so low on the planet that in order for a witch to cast a spell or even make herbal packets for wounds, you know, to make medicine, because witchcraft is really about the, the joy and the celebration of earth, um, they would have to spend hours charging the area of land that they were going to do their work in. So let's say they went into a meadow and they were going to create a beautiful salve, and for wounds, they would have to spend hours charging the energy because the vibration of the planet was so low. Today, that's very different. Our vibration is so elevated in terms of the frequency movement of the planet that we don't have to spend a lot of time shifting the energy of a room or a meadow or a kitchen if we're going to make beautiful soaps or anything of that nature, that the energy is already there in divine harmony. So I think in that regard, things have changed significantly. And do you feel if Gaia raises her frequency and continues to? Yeah. Well, if if you see the frequency of the Earth continuing to raise, do you feel that that would actually cause a lot of people who are of a low density or or lower vibration to kind of combust and to just you know be kind of pushed off this plane of existence? Well, it's a choice. No one's pushed anywhere. Every free will is the strongest rule in all of the cosmos, and so we can't force anyone to do anything especially from a soul's perspective, even beings who are choosing to have more challenging life paths. They're choosing that from a soul's perspective from a, for a very good reason that we need to honor and appreciate and value. So what I do see happening as the frequency comes up, if people aren't willing to allow their own vibration to heighten, it's creating a lot of stress for them and a lot of discomfort, a lot of anxiety. Uh, so I'm definitely seeing more of that um, with individuals, like they're more confused, that they don't really understand life. They feel lost, and, and it makes sense because if the Earth's vibration has raised, which I believe it has, and we're all meant to increase our frequency, then if, if someone ch- chooses not to, it, you're going to feel very disconnected and, and feel as if making choices don't make any, doesn't make any sense any longer. So it's very, I think it's challenging for individuals who won't increase their vibration. Mary, I've got one final two-part question for you. Is this is one? Are you aware of other conscious beings like Gaia that are planets that throughout the solar system that are actually kind of dark and they're 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 purposely hostile because they are a reflection of that being's unprocessed darkness. Well, we second, are considered our, our Gaia is considered a dark planet. Um, really? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because, I mean, there's a lot of dimensions that don't have the words like violence, famine, or crime in them. They don't even exist in language. And um, so we are one of the darker planets, actually. But yes, there are other Earths, if you will, similar to ours, so that we can have different places to choose to have a physical experience. There's thousands of time-space realities. There aren't that many darker than us. There are a few, but not that many. Are there uh, ones that are where it's like a nuclear, we actually see what it would look like if you were having a nuclear-type War or something like a Terminator existence? Not that I've seen. Um, I think we already have that kind of here. We already have quite a bit of that here. I mean, we have nuclear power plants that that are unsafe and create harm. We have threat of nuclear war all the time, constantly. So, um, 
probably not what you're thinking. I think that one of the things that's really hard on human beings is humans can easily feel a very heavy vibration. It's really easy to, to connect to. But it is not where we find our intuition or our understanding of our highest awareness. It's a very limiting energy, and it's actually a false frequency. So a lot of people vibrate in fear trying to make sense of what that energy means, and they also, in my opinion, um, come up with ideas that support that. But um, fear, you know, the acronym for fear is false evidence appearing real. So I think that when we're in that energy, we can't really trust our instincts or our insight. Miss Marie Manicherry, thank you so much. That was a really interesting, uh, thorough analysis. And to learn more about Miss Manicherry, please go to her website at energyintuitive.com. You can learn all about her great products, her events. She's got a mentoring program. She's got a newsletter, a lot of great things on there. Thank you so much. You're welcome, and thank you, Ryan. I love your questions. They're beautiful. Joining us now is returning Outer Limits of Inner Truth radio show guest, Ms. Caridwin Fallingstar, she is a Wiccan priestess, an author, and a metaphysical teacher. And you can learn more about her by going to her website at C-E-R-R-I-D-W-E-N, fallingstar.com. Ms. Fallingstar, welcome back to the program. And what are your thoughts and insights on Gaia, the spirit of Earth? Well, thank you so much for having me again. I always enjoyed being here. I am... uh very interested to talk about this. Gaia is uh, a Greek goddess uh, originally, and they, she's, I think her, her name has become far more popular because of the Gaia hypothesis uh, by James Lovelock. It's the Gaia hypothesis. Yeah, it's by uh, chemist James Lovelock and uh, microbiologist Lynn Margulis in the early 1970s formulated a theory that the Earth meets all of the scientific qualifications for a single living entity or being and they called it Gaia after the Greek goddess also because that pre- the prefix Gaia is used in uh, geology geophysics geochemistry you know wherever you see geo that comes from Gaia originally so she already had kind of a scientific uh, aura about her of course, for us, for uh, witches or pagans, we also we regard Gaia as again a word for the earth, and for the goddess of the earth or the spirit of the earth that we honor and worship. Okay. In your experience, have how do you perceive Gaia? And can you please remind our audience about your background? Well, I'm uh, I'm I'm a witch and. Uh, I've been in Wicca since 1975 and studying and practicing and teaching uh, throughout that time. I originally, I was uh, was raised in a a very scientific household myself. My father was a, a rocket scientist and I grew up without any religion or spirituality in my household, although my family did go camping a lot, so I spent a lot of time in nature and developed that affinity for nature, I think, um, during during those times. Although I, I think an affinity for nature is, is natural to all of us, but sometimes people who have not spent much time out in the wilderness have become disconnected from their own nature 
and from the, the nature that we all came from, that we all emerged from. I think actually speaking, the earth is our mother. We originated from her. Uh, it's a hard, hard thing to actually dispute. And so regarding her as the mother makes kind of a literal sense as well as a metaphysical sense. The, uh, some, some Native Americans say the earth is a mother who never dies. I think that that's a kind of a useful way to look at, at that. Well, if people are turning away from earth and they're not, and they're losing touch with earth, where, uh, what, what are they um, going towards? If are they going is is Gaia just the one mother or are they going to another parent? Is there an antithesis of who Gaia is? Is there a um, spiritual or consciousness that is the opposite of Gaia that people are drifting towards if they're not engaging with Gaia? I think when people aren't engaging with with the Earth and their connection with the Earth that they're they're really orphans. You know that they're they're orphans that they think of them. You know like like Topsy in uh, Uncle Tom's cabin, which says, "I wasn't born; I just growed." Um, people think that they just somehow grew here, and certainly there's a mechanistic view that is very common, which is the idea that sort of the Earth is a machine and we're machines, and you know that rather than a living series of living processes, uh, there's a tendency to cease things in mechanical terms. So that would be the kind of well, there's just this biology, and it's a mechanism, and you're you're born and then you die and it has nothing to do with anything. And then of course there's other spiritual traditions like the patriarchal uh, spiritual traditions such as Christianity where there's a focus that's completely on spirit and on heaven and turning away from earth. That earth and the body and the feminine all represent sinfulness and wrongness in some way. And that what's right is the masculine and the sun and the heavens and um, the incorporeal realms, the, 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 the more airy uh, way of looking at things. So the, the, that those patriarchal religions have been very dualistic, very dichotometric, where it's either or. It's like, well, are you male? Are you female? Are you good? Are you bad? Are you right? Are you wrong? Is it... You know, is it God or is it the devil? There's that splitting things in two instead of seeing this vast multiplicity. Or if you look at the earth and you see all the millions of life forms, that there's not good life forms and bad life forms, that it's it's all working together in this really fantastic web of life. And so just a very different perspective than the um, the very simplistic good or bad dynamic that, and I don't mean to blame this all on, say, Christianity or those religions, because it's a way that all of us humans have been thinking for a while. Our brains kind of got stuck in this either-or dualistic way of looking at things. And it takes uh, an education or, or a desire for us to actually move out of that either-or place into something that's vaster and um, kind of more beautifully textured. Okay. Um, sorry. I wanted to ask you this. Do you observe, from your perspective right now, the consciousness of the Earth 
shifting towards a uh, towards darkness. And the reason why I ask this is because some people perceive the external reality as becoming uh, darker or more um, controlling. Yes, if you look at Gaia, it seems to be beautiful, warm, abundant. So I was wondering if there's a way for people to shift their frequency to be more aligned with Gaia, become more protected with Gaia. And if you are more aligned and more protected with Gaia, can you experience an, an inter- external reality that is, you know, immersed in abundance and freedom and peace? Yeah, I think I think the, uh, you know, I think the negative shifts are more yeah in our human consciousness. If you, I, I just got back from a, a trip, uh, river rafting, and you know, I saw the, you know, every day I saw a bear, and the bear was so bears were happy, and they're eating their berries, and they're just having a good time and I'm seeing the minks diving for fish and they're having a wonderful time and uh, yeah everything out there you know the, the birds that I'm seeing the ospreys and the bald eagles and the vultures they're they're all just as as um, as in the moment and calm and peaceful as ever I'm not seeing anything anything that's different about them you know the you know the the issues are are with us, with human culture and with um, human mindset and and human overpopulation that we've kind of pushed um, our species is sort of a we're a victim of our own success. <laughs> we've, uh, we've reproduced to a point where we're creating um, some imbalance in the system, and the system is is working hard to compensate and to. Um, you know, maintain balance in spite of what the humans are doing, but there is, I, I think, uh, kind of a limit to how far the, the, the Gaian system as a whole uh, can go in order to uh, maintain harmony or, or homeostasis when we keep introducing um, destructive elements like all the plastic we're putting in the sea and uh, all the, you know, stuff that we're, we're putting into the air that's... Uh, Damaging uh, our, our our planet's uh, capacity so, to filter the sunlight, et cetera, and so forth. So correct me if I'm wrong, but is Gaia at this point now time and now? Can you sense that is Gaia off balance? And if so, how much more off balance will Gaia need to to be in order for a self-correcting mechanism or some kind of shift back that puts us back on a balanced path need to occur? How much longer do we have, or is it the process of actually happening? Oh. I don't know. I mean, I think you know, you know, the the planet itself, Gaia, will certainly survive. Regardless, it's kind of the question is whether the larger mammals like us are going to survive. You know, yeah. it's, it's us and the lions and the rhinoceroses and and those bigger bigger sized animals um, that may be at risk. Uh, you know, the, the, the cockroaches are going to be okay. <laughs> they're 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 built for all sorts of uh, all sorts of problems. And you know, if humans do end up you know destroying themselves. You know, Gaia can whip up something else in her cauldron of changes. Uh, some uh, some centuries or eons down the line, um, she'll create another intelligent species uh, to replace us if, if this particular experiment doesn't work out. So I don't worry about Gaia per se, but it would be very nice uh, if we humans could keep evolving and become a worthy, intelligent uh, partner for our mother. That would be a, That would be a very nice thing to do. Caridwin Falling Star, thank you so much for your really great and uh, in-depth analysis on Gaia, Spirit of Earth. And to learn more about Ms. Falling Star, please go to her website at C-E-R-R-I-D-W-E-N 
fallingstar.com. Tara Dune, welcome back to the program anytime. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for calling. Bye. Joining us now is Chris Krepsik, metaphysical teacher, founder of thehoodedsage.com, an incredible returning guest on the Outer Limits of the Truth Radio Show. Mr. Krepsik, in your experience and teachings, what can you reveal to us about Gaia, the essence and spirit of Earth? Well, that, that's a big subject. It's <laughs> <laughs> a lot to cover. <laughs> well, you mean, when you te- and on energy level, or, or what do you mean? Because it's like one giant well, entity of its own, you know. Okay, if you were to describe Gaia, the entity on its own, the the, the consciousness, what is Gaia? And if you, some people say, okay, well, what is Gaia? What is the spirit of the Earth? What do you what do you imply by saying the Earth has a spirit? Have you ever engaged the spirit of the earth? Is Gaia a collectiveness of all the animals? Is Gaia a collection of collective humanity? What is Gaia on a metaphysical, spiritual level? She's like a goddess, like a massive, giant spirit of um, energy. But it seems to be a very feminine, feminine spirit. It's like the higher self of the planet Earth itself would be a spirit, just like every every other living creature has a higher spirit and consciousness beyond um, the physical form, you know. Okay, so are we all part of Gaia? Are we spirits within Gaia spirit? Yeah, you could think of it like that. It's like it's a collective, so we're all components within that larger force, that larger um, higher consciousness of the earth itself. And so is every animal and every plant, every living creature. Every living creature. You've discussed before about the benefit or the need to process your shadow, process your darkness, really come to terms with it. Do you believe that humanity and the darkness of humanity is actually part of Gaia's shadow, that Gaia needs to process? Uh, I don't know. I think that uh, humans are a little bit different in that regard. I don't don't necessarily see um, Gaia as being – having the same issues of the mind or the rigid intellect that humans do. But I mean, obviously we're a component of her. So how could we not belong to, to that, to some degree? And when you have gone to deep meditations and you have explored these various realms of existence, what is Gaia seen as in the Luna or these alternative dimensions? What, what visual form do you see Gaia taking? Well, as a giant feminine spirit, I mean, she morphs and transforms through various forms. You know, those worlds are are creative and constantly moving, and your spirit's not like a a rigid 3D object. It, it can morph through um, infinite forms. But she okay. she'd be vibrant with color and fractals and um, light. Okay, and when people, the way you describe Gaia. From a casual observer, it may seem or it could seem like Gaia seems to be a god. You say god is, Gaia is a goddess. Do you feel that sometimes people, when they're praying to God, that they're actually praying to Gaia? Is Gaia and the idea of what God is, according to most people, one and the same? Uh, it would be an aspect of it. I mean, you know, everybody's got their own ideas about what God is, but uh, um, it's – she would just be a part of an even larger force, okay. if that makes sense. You know, like the cosmic force itself or the multiverse, infinite universes. 
she's a component within that. So she'd be like, a, like other planets and <clears throat> there are other planets and other spirits out there, you know, so it's, it's just like, she's just another one. No, that makes sense. You know, it does make sense. And when you are feeling Gaia or engaging in her spirit, do you ever get the feeling that she is upset or devastated the way humanity treats the planet or the way humanity treats the animals? Does she have any particular need to strike back or to take out some human beings for the way their animals are treated? Uh, well, yeah, she would definitely cry about that a bit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's like the um, the main message from, from nature is um, basically to consume uh, as little as possible. You know, only can only consume what you need. And the overconsumption is like an abuse. Um, Overindustrialization is like an abuse to her spirit. Okay. And how would you increase your connection with Gaia? What are some of the ways that you can actually increase your connection and uh, develop and foster a, a beautiful, solid relationship with Gaia? Well, one of the main things a person can do is just be in nature itself, go out and hang out in nature and spend time in it to where they can feel that energy and that resonance. And and that's the silent communication underneath because she's inside of you as well as outside. It's not just external. Everything's internal as well. So if you visualize the earth being small and fitting inside of your heart where your energy becomes massive and imagine yourself hovering um, in hyperspace with the earth as your heart center and feel your own heartbeat, that would be a way of merging with her her consciousness in a way to where you can align to it and be in harmony with it. Okay. And if you have a connection or development or really close to Gaia, are there any kind of qualities that people take on who tend to be closer to the earth? Is it a, a natural occurrence that you probably lose your desire to consume meat or you lose your desire to, I don't know, be connected to, to this computer age, be less inclined to deal with technology? Are there any discernible characteristics of people who are more in touch with Gaia? That's yeah, just more like a natural purity. Okay. You know, it's um, not being wrapped up into the intellect so much and just being down to earth, natural and real, you know, humble. You know, if, if you appreciate the power of nature, you're definitely humbled by it. Okay. And, as far as Gaia's evolution goes, is there any part of her spirit that would lead you to indicate that at one point in time in a previous existence that she was a human being or she had a lesser form of existence besides that of a planet, that her planetary existence, her expression in the physical form as planet Earth, is a natural progression of the human cycle of evolution? I don't think humans are that relevant. I don't, I don't think that the, it really has anything to do with human or that she was ever a human. Um, she's way more massive than, than that, but um, I don't think humans are as relevant to, to her as they think they are. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Mr. Chris Krepsik, really appreciate your insight and analysis on Gaia, the spirit of Earth. To learn more about Mr. Krepsik, please go to the website, thehoodedsage.com. I am telling you, there's information and great insight on there that you won't find anywhere else in the world. Mr. Krefsik, truly an honor to have you with us again. Thank you so much. Thank you, Ryan. It is with great pleasure to welcome back to the program humanitarian visionary, peace advocate, spiritual teacher and healer, 
Miss Reverend Sally Perry. You can learn more about her by going to her website at sallyperry.net. Great joy and pleasure to have you back, Miss Perry. What can you tell us from your experience about your insights about Gaia, Spirit of Earth? Uh, well, first I'd like to begin by advocating for us to do what Bolivia has done. Bolivia in 2012, after several years of work, put into law uh, a protection. Bolivia enshrines the natural world's rights and equal status for Mother Earth. This was in my newsletter. In the indigenous philosophy, the Pachamama, or the Mother Earth, is a living being. The draft of the new law states, and it is a law, she is sacred, fertile, and the source of life, life that leads and cares for all living beings in her womb. She is in permanent balance, harmony, and communication with the cosmos. She is comprised of all ecosystems and living beings and their self-organization. Uh, so it's my wish that America would eventually bring into being a law for Mother Earth that could stop some of the corruption that has uh, been upon our Earth for so long. Okay. And in this current reality, or this current paradigm of human consciousness, it seems to be one that is completely driven by profits, or predominantly driven by profits and the need to you know, make a profit. What could potentially cause that consciousness and paradigm to shift? And do you feel that it is possible to be respectful to Mother Earth and to make the dramatic changes needed if that profit-driven paradigm is still in place? Absolutely. I saw in 93 out west in a ceremony where the new Earth actually physically came in from seven dimensions into the physical and understanding that the Earth is a female. We're a female planet here. Mother Earth, it's a mother. She's the female. And until we can treat her like we would our mother, all this abuse to the women and the children is not going to stop because it starts in the home. And our home is Mother Earth. So if we rape her, use her, abuse her, we are going to stay an imbalanced society. Okay. When you say imbalanced society, some people would consider the imbalance as the norm, as something that's accustomed to, that it doesn't see any foreseeable uh any feeling or any intuition or sorry, let me say this right. It doesn't seem like people want to change that. So what if people wish to remain and keep things the way they are? What is the trajectory or the end goal for that? What would happen if we just don't change? Well, I believe the Earth will be destroyed. I mean, it's happened time and again. Atlantis, Lemuria, uh, it happens. And right now I see Mother Earth purifying her. And the waters and the rivers are part of Mother Earth. And it's in our bodies. We are one with the Earth. We've got to wake up and realize as much as we're one with God within ourselves or Jesus or Buddha, that oneness of this planet that we live on lives within us. 
And if we can go and change what's within us to more loving kindness actions, when we came here, we were a people of kindness. We named ourselves humankind and mankind, but we've forgotten. And there's more and more peace on this earth, and there's more and more love, and there's more and more circles. And as these circles increase, like the hundredth monkey, people are going to shift and change, or they'll leave the planet. What do you mean, shift and change, or they'll leave the planet? Are you saying that at the people who are on the earth right now can either decide to stay in this existence and try to improve it, or do you think that they could decide it's a lost cause and evolve elsewhere? Yes. Sometimes they they have done all they can in this life, so they have to go on. Okay. If you were, Where do you feel the earth is headed right now? Do you feel that as far as the um, the, the consciousness of the planet – do you feel that it's shifting towards a more peaceful place, more loving place, or do you feel that it is being pulled into a different direction? No, I think it's. I think all this that's coming up, all the war, all the shootings, all that, I believe is stuff that's been in the gutter for a long time, and it's coming up to be released and cleansed. Okay. And, but and see, the earth is about birth. That's the dove is a good symbol of the Mother Earth uh, because we, she gives birth. She gives birth to everything. She gives birth to our food, you know, our shelter, our home. She gives birth to everything we have. And through the Earth, we can give birth within ourselves to new beginnings. Okay. And... What I would like to know is that if there is all this violence and there is a surge of, you know, death, murder, destruction occurring, you're saying that it is a way of cleansing and it's coming to the surface. Isn't that going to perpetuate more death, more destruction for all the people that have been affected by the surge of violence? Where does how does the cycle end? How do these cycles of violence end, and how does this eventually become a full cleanse? It's just like anything, you know, entropy. It goes in, and it expands out, and then it comes back in. So I just see that this is uh, an indwelling of sickness that's been on the planet for a long time, coming out to be exposed and cleared. And, you know, it's just like any country that's had war they get tired of it but so many times if you have individuals and all they've done in their whole life is fight they know nothing else even in a peace accord they don't know what to ask for because they still have so much fight inside of them if one were to let's say take a step back and observe the the forces of light nature and observe the forces of dark you might be able to look at the forces of dark and say, okay, well, you know what? They're really doing well. That they, they, They've got that technology down to a, to a science. They really are able to control mass numbers of people. They were able to infiltrate a lot of the means of mass means of communications. And how does the uh, celestial, the light aspect, compete with a force that is growing and evolving much faster than it would appear that uh, light forces would? It seems that a lot of people are asleep or not even aware of this battle going on. And I'm curious to know 
what the light can possibly do to counteract this and what can Gaia do to counteract this antithesis of celestial light and peace? Well, I feel like she's doing with the earthquakes, the fires, all that. Uh, I feel everything will come back into itself. So the negativity will go out and then it will come back into itself. So the thing is, is you don't compete or force. You observe and show the light and allow the light to take care of it. Okay. You and force. Look at day and night. Light is not forced upon the dark. Dark is not forced upon the light. It just happens naturally. And that's how Mother Earth is. If you lay on the earth and it hurts your body, the mother is showing you where you're hurting. And so many people on this planet are hurting. They're hurting in their lower physical realm. They don't know any other way but to fight because their heart is closed. They don't understand the vibration of love. Take a baby and look at a baby that's just born. She or he is born here on the earth, on the mother, and that child that's nurtured and shown the way of the mother, the way that the seed is planted and grows with very little. It's the same with the children coming in. They're here to reflect what the people need their self not to be healed. The children coming are more of the light. And light will come more and more into this planet now that there's so many grids and vortexes set up to dispel the darkness. We're seeing more now because of communication. People are being bought into the truth. And Mother Earth is the truth. It's the nature. She will give you what you give her. Okay. The rest will be destroyed. How can people expand their perceptions and become more in tune with the celestial love and celestial energies that Gaia has to offer? By listening. Okay. Nobody listens anymore. They're so full of clatter in their head. Uh, Either they came in with it, they listened in their family or community. Uh, That's why meditation is so important, or a prayerful time, uh, or just introspection to, to get everything starts in the mind and how we work with you and I or the earth It's all within the mind and our thoughts, so it all has to do with mindset. Okay. And if you were to think of a couple different ways that people can immediately raise their vibration, you mentioned the word, you mentioned listening, you mentioned seeing babies. Can you raise your vibration permanently or even a short term by holding a baby, by petting an animal, by being in nature? What are some of the techniques that you would utilize for people to raise their vibration high enough to the point where they can be in a line to be more receptive to the graces of Gaia? I think, number one, it's forgiveness. Forgiveness is the key that unlocks the heart because we, we have to examine 
those parts of ourselves that are injured, or I would say the victim consciousness. And that's what happens as long as we hold the victim consciousness. We victimize our mother, our children, our friends, and the world as a whole. And until we can stop victimizing ourselves inside with our thoughts and start loving the inner self, spending time there and asking for spiritual help, just asking, and yes, holding a baby, petting a pet, you know, can help raise, but the sustaining ability to love comes from the heart. And And through the eyes, we can see what we need to do. And that's the reason the ears are made to listen. The ears are the feminine spirit, just like the earth. So we have to listen. And in order to listen to that higher part of ourself, we have to be still. We have to be quiet. And we can do that with humming. We can do it with chanting. the vowels, the A-I-O-U, is a great way it carries the power uh, in all the words, just setting and chanting uh, the A-E-I-O-U uh, will help raise your vibration. The A is the east, which is our mind. The e, east is the south, which is our emotional body. The I is the west, which is our physical. The O is the north, which is our childlike uh, part, childlike innocence in our spirit, and the you is the mother God, the center of the medicine wheel, the mother God carrying us. So just Excellent. sitting and chanting those three to five minutes will start shifting your energy field and your insides. If you would just take, you know, three minutes to chant each vowel or chant, you know, if you've got something bothering your mind, or something emotional, chant those vowels in relation to that. That is the power in our words. Okay, and one thing I want to re-remind our audience of is when we did our first interview together some time ago, it said something really interesting about when you're writing things down, when you're taking the spoken word and you're putting it into writings, it carries a much greater weight and it has much more power. And... Ms. Perry, if people were to write down on some capacity, writing down how much they love and respect the earth and how much they're trying to forgive people, could that have a dramatic increase in their vibrational frequency and speed up their alignment uh, to the essence of the spirit of earth? That's a great point, yes. Writing an affirmation, my day is meant to be in memory and in gratitude for our Mother Earth. Gardeners, you know, that's the reason they can grow flowers and fruits and vegetables, because they're praying and they're thankful for the Earth. The gratitude that flows over, and in writing it down, it's 50 times stronger. The thought is four volts of electricity, and uh, the written word is 50 times stronger, and it takes the energy out of us, puts it on the paper, and absolutely... uh, Slogans, affirmations are wonderful. Thoughts for the day. Uh, Unity has a 
affirmation little booklet you can get too that gives you good thoughts for the day. But to to form an affirmation about healing the earth is a great, great idea. Okay. And Ms. Perry, for our last part of our interview is I would like to ask you this, is that in previous times on the earth you've had um, Indians who seem to be seem to be very respectful of the earth. They they really work with the earth, worked with the land, um, are very in line and close to it. And meanwhile, you see a modern day civilization right now, and some people or maybe a lot of people don't seem to have any kind of connection to the earth. The two questions I have for you is, uh, what was the relationship that the Indians had with the earth? And I'm curious to know that if they had such a really close and beautiful relationship with the earth, why did they um, fall? to these outside civilizations who would later come to pillage the earth and have no respect for the earth. Is, it, um, is there some part about that that I'm curious to know why were they not given uh, protection or why were they not able to repel an external force that was destructive, that would later have no respect for earth? Well, of course, among a lot of the tribes, there is the belief, even in America, that when you know things befall us, that they will help us. Um, I do know in Australia, the government has apologized for what they did to the children. They took their children and everything. There's always a greater knowing of what happens. For me, I feel that the Indians that fight the medicine people that come out are all white people. You know, it's the same energy, anger. So be it an Indian or white people or, you you know, uh, a black person, uh, Ethiopian, uh, China, uh, whatever the color, we pray in the four colors of material, yellow, black, red, and white for all the races. Uh, whatever lessons they have to learn, I feel they'll reincarnate in that. So it's the Indian's way of healing, and I feel that those that cause the medicine people are the old white people that kill the Indians in the first place. That's pretty amazing. Miss yeah. Sally Perry. Shemaya uh, said the same thing. I forget. Homostasius Storm wrote a book, and uh, I'd always said that, but in there he said his teacher, Shemaya, said the same thing. It's about energy. It's about energy, not not color of the skin or tribes. It's about energy. How do you use your energy? And the ultimate energy is love. So why aren't you loving yourself enough to love your family, to love the land you live in? You see. Miss Sally Perry, it was such a great pleasure and joy to speak with you once again, talk to you about Gaia, and uh, to hear your really great and profound insights. And we want to thank you. And to learn more about Miss Perry, please go to her website at sallyperry.net. You're going to find a lot of great information. You're going to find out more information about her books, about her upcoming events, and you can sign up for her newsletter. Miss Perry, thank you so much, and uh, blessings and peace on to you. And thank you for loving Mother Earth. I do, too. <laughs> Joining us now is globally respected psychic medium, healer, empath, 
Miss Carrie O'Connor. You can learn more about Miss Carrie O'Connor and get a great reading with Miss Carrie O'Connor by going to her website at carrieoconnor.com. Miss O'Connor, what can you tell us about Gaia, the spirit of Earth? Gaia, the spirit of Earth, is a very highly evolved soul that's on our own evolutionary path and process. And we have a sacred agreement as a community to come down in physical form to have this experience, physical experiences to see, feel, sense, touch. And we do it very differently when we're on the physical plane. So she is such a highly evolved soul, Ryan, that uh, to allow us to, again, have this um, experience, it just shows how... um, how evolved she is, and she is so giving. She's here to teach us abundance. She's here to teach us love, balancing, giving, and receiving, and she's also giving us a sacred playground for us to really be able to get out of linear thinking and just past, present, future time, all of those those things. She's a beautiful, beautiful soul. She's open to everybody to speak to, and she will talk to you. You could get a tune and talk to the trees. You could talk to the wind. She's in communication with everything, and she considers all of us her children, and that means the mountains, the rocks, the trees, and humanity. She doesn't see a hierarchical um, view of the humanity being higher than the rocks and the trees and the mountains, and a lot of people don't realize that. At some point in time, I guess, in earlier years, there were individuals who were discussing or saying that Gaia would one day retaliate against humanity for some of the things that humanity was doing to the planet, whether it be you know, mistreating the environment or treating the animals pretty horrifically. Mm-hmm. Have you ever come across or sensed Gaia being upset or angry with humanity or wanting to take some kind of action against humanity for these actions? I see it, Ryan, but it's, there's, Gaia is so evolved that there's no emotion in mind of it. I've seen her do this image where it looks like she shakes an area of herself. It's almost like a dog scratching fleas, right? And the way we would experience in the physical world is a huge tsunami or earthquake, right? But she's not doing it in this vengeance of, I'm going to get you back because you hurt the animals. She really is all about homeostasis, all about balance. And so when one part of her is off balance, she will, she's going to correct it. That's the way it is. We are so invested in mind and emotion, it could look like she, again, is, is um, she wants to work with us instead of this retaliation against us. doesn't mean she wants us to uh, frack and, and uh, you know, pollute the earth and just have disrespect for it. She's here to teach us like a mother that is really aligned to unconditional love and support, and she can see us as her children. And sometimes we're like three-year-old toddlers where we don't understand or we don't really see the big um, big picture as far as how much we are creating unbalance, but she, she will get herself back into balance. So could that look like that she's going to retaliate against us? Yes, but she also taught me that it doesn't have that mind and emotion. She's beyond that. As a highly evolved soul is beyond that mind and emotions that humans are so tapped into. Okay, and in previous existences on Earth, my understanding is that the Atlantinians and other human-type civilizations have been completely wiped off the planet. Were those acts of anger and vengeance by Gaia because at that point in time, throughout earlier parts of human history, she wasn't evolved as she is now? Was she kind of maybe less inclined to retaliate or take humanity off the planet for a particular reason because she's more um, grace and more celestial energy than she did in previous uh, periods of time? That's a really good question, and in some way I could say I could kind of agree with it because she is a continuing evolving soul herself, right? But when I see the um, 
the existence of the Atlantean and the Lemurian times, those codes and those planes are still in existence. You could tap into them, and they're as real as, as our conversation right now. And what happened was that we became, again, very off-balance. There were people that survived the Lemurian and Atlantean energy because they knew that the potential of it happening, and they wanted their their teachings to continue. So some of them left, some of them chose, knowing that there was a huge potential that they were going to get wiped out and, and you know, drowned. So she... Again, it's going to seek balance. She, she wants us to open up our mind and our eyes and become uh, an inclusive energy where we're not in that fighting, warring energy and destroying each other and destroying parts of the earth. So I can understand when people say that she's evolved because she is a continuously evolving soul. But the bottom line is that I hear over and over again what she shows me is that she comes with the heart and she will continuously seek balance. And balance, again, it could look in all different ways because during those times in our history, we've gotten very off balance. Those times we came in during the Atlantean and Lemurian times very in tuned to nature. We used to talk to the rocks. We'd see energy patterns. We, we were very much connected to our, um, the highly evolved energy fields. We, we, we went beyond the third dimension the linear time, space, time, and, um, and that our whole experience was different. We got so into the physical, into uh, physical experiences that we forgot our connection to um, the creator within and throughout in her own sacred connection. Okay, is this temporary, I mean, this may be a little off topic, but is this state that humanity is in right now, is this part of a cycle that has occurred previously where we've actually gone this far, or is this something where... We're kind of in uncharted territory as far as how far we are going into the physical or how connected we are to the physical and disconnected to the uh, spiritual. Well, in a way, I see that we have gotten so far off, and um, I'm sure there's been times in history that um, we've gotten disconnected, just like the Atlantean Lemurian, like we spoke of. But this time, we come in to really balance energies that have not been around for thousands and thousands of years. We came in this incarnation in particular to be able to really tap into our God self, our angel self, the creator within and throughout. And as we do that, we will have a different earth experience. Does that answer the question? Yes. And yeah. also, you see, how long will Gaia's earth cycle, sorry, first question, where do you see Gaia's next evolutionary step occurring? I mean, obviously, I guess all planets, they reach a point where they, you know, they, they, they become destroyed. Where is Gaia's next jump or next era of evolution take place beyond the Earth? Well, she's already very much connected to it. The shamans will call it the fifth dimensional world. When, you, when we're very much connected to Gaia's physical Earth experience, right, but she's very much connected to her, the other parts of her energy body, the higher celestial realms. She sees that as not something far away. It's something that runs through her and that is an integral part of her. So she could flip into the, her multidimensional self and then go down to the physical world. She exists on both planes, right? So she could, she's very much aware that she's here in the physical experience. And when she finishes her evolutionary process, she'll rotate into more... Um, of the what I call the universal energy, right? Um, but she still says that she has a long time to come here. She loves being a sacred place to have the inhabitants of humans, birds, children. She keeps on calling us her children. So we, it's supposed to be a playground. So her, our never, um, next relationship with her is where we come down to the earth and we have a, we're much more in balance and we see that 
it's like almost going to the Disneyland in the universe, right? So people tap in here and they can get, enter into the earth plane and have the physical experiences, have it feel touched in a different way, see things in a different way. But as we come in, we're, we're much more evolved, right? Got it. Miss Carrie O'Connor, thank you so much for that beautiful analysis on Gaia. And to learn more about Miss Carrie O'Connor and to get a great reading with Miss Carrie O'Connor, go to her website at carrieoconnor.com. Thank you so much, Miss O'Connor. Thank you, Ryan. It's always my pleasure. Joining us now is the angel reader, globally respected psychic medium, Miss Laura Lynn. You can learn more about Miss Laura Lynn. And get a great reading with Miss Laura Lynn by going to her website at angelreader.net. Miss Lynn, what can you tell us about Gaia, the spirit of Earth? Okay, well, Gaia is a beautiful grandmother energy that I can feel, particularly through the trees. There's a trees sometimes that you can just feel the female energy from and going down into the roots it feels like i can sometimes just she's waving out there like hello hello granddaughter and i i do uh work through gaia at times when i'm working through my son i feel like gaia is amazing uh what through working through mothers in particular but also for men who are looking for that balance who's looking for a little bit of um nice energy to relax and to be in in harmony Gaia is a wonderful one to reach out to and I would recommend walking on trails uh, going into nature tapping into the trees her energy is very welcoming it almost feels like a comfortable comfortable uh, quilt that's wrapping around you but I have a cool story about Gaia that happened today so, okay. Let's hear it. All right. Well, my son was missing for a couple of days. My son's 22 years old and, you know, he's an adult and, you know, he likes to go out. He's independent, but he lives with me. And it was a little bit troubling because usually he does let me know where he's at, just, you know, out of courtesy. And uh, he did leave without his phone, but he still had opportunity to contact me just to let me know he's okay. So I was getting concerned because a son like him. So I started, you know, praying about it. I was praying yesterday, you know, I hope, you know, asking spirit for some help and asking Ariel, which is an angel that focuses on that also mother, wonderful, loving energy. Um, and, uh, and I was putting it out there to Gaia, you know, to make sure he's safe. And well, today I, it got a little bit too long and I, you know, I knew something was up, or at least I felt that it's, you know, there's so, something to be concerned about here. We need a, I need connection with my son. So I went out to a group of mine that's on Facebook, and I uh, asked them, you know, I said, can you please put it out to the Spirit of Gaia to, for Jason to connect with me? And within 10 minutes, I got a phone call, and it was all, he's found, he's he's fine, he had a great time in nature, he was swimming yesterday over the one of the metro parks, and just really appreciating what Mother Earth offers. So Jason's, my son's fine. I'm good because I know my, my, my son's fine. But I really feel like Gaia helped to make this connection, you know, right then. So that I just thought that was really cool because it was, at, you know, I did put it out there to literally ask Gaia to help Jason get the message to connect with me. Okay, so... I've asked another one of our experts on this before. 
what is the comparable difference between engaging in the essence and spirit of Gaia and engaging in the essence and spirit of what many people consider to be God? Well, I feel like this energy, Gaia is the feminine presence in, about the compassion, where God is that fundamental um, energy, the solid energy that holds out the universal or global presence of all spirit uh, together. That's where the oneness comes from. And I believe that God facets out energy or has an essence of energy on many, many, many levels. So I would say that the Gaia is a presence of God, but within that spirit, in that light, Gaia is God. Oh, and in your experience, what do you feel will happen to an individual if they choose to have a more in-depth, a more engaging relationship with Gaia? What can they expect to happen to their health, to their spirit, to their perception? I feel like what will happen, or what I've... I've realized, I've recognized uh, clients where I recommended they they work a little, tap in more into that energy. Their world will become much more colorful. They'll see see color in a deeper depth. They'll be able to communicate with the trees. That is that there will be an inner knowing and interconnectedness with nature like they've never had before. They might sit in a woods and an animal just stop and stare at them and make that connection. That will be that eternal soul uh, recognition between two. And you'll have a, a new appreciation, um, like an awe-inspiring uh, feeling that will come over you or spontaneous awakenings that will tap inside when you're really making the conscious connection with Gaia, particularly when you are doing this uh, in the woods, recognizing this energy in the woods. Excellent. Miss Laura Lynn, thank you so much for your beautiful and direct insight on the spirit of Gaia. And to learn more about Miss Laura Lynn and to get a great reading with Miss Laura Lynn, please go to our website at angelreader.net. Thank you so much for being with us, Miss Lynn. Thank you. I love the show. Thank you. Joining us now is globally respected psychic medium and healer, Miss Lisa Kaza. We can learn more about Ms. Kaza. Get a reading with Ms. Kaza by going to her website at lisakaza.com. Ms. Kaza, what can you tell us about Gaia, the spirit of Earth? Well, the one thing that I will say is that we call Gaia Mother Earth, Mother for a reason. Um, the energy of I have to call her Mother Earth. I, I don't know why I don't like the term Gaia, but I prefer to call the Great Mother. The energy is that of unconditional love and nurturing, which, again, like I said, this is a, a re- obviously the reason why we all do call her Mother Earth. She is our mother. And even as just as a human mother is to her child, it is unconditional love. It doesn't matter what we would ever say or do as a human. Our mother would always will always love us. And it's the exact same, exactly the same as what it is with Mother Earth. She's unconditionally loving. It doesn't matter what we do. Look at what we're doing to her with 
you know, one thing that really troubles me in, in, in where I live in my area are um, all the forest fires that are being set, uh, you know, by humankind, whether it's intentional or or otherwise, it doesn't matter. Um, a major issue with me is all the mines in my area. You should see how huge the holes are that they're putting into Mother Earth. We're doing all these things to her, but yet she still loves us unconditionally. And when I feel that energy, I, I actually want to cry because I feel so remorseful, so sorry for everything that that is being in, done to, to Mother Earth because she is that so loving unconditionally. Um, again, it's kind of what a lot of us do to our own parents, especially when we're the teenagers rebelling or, you know, mm-hmm. saying and doing things that we really shouldn't. Even throughout all of that, as parents or as mothers, we still, you know, love our children and vice versa. Our our parents still love mm-hmm. us. So that that's pretty much how Mother you, Earth is, the same exact energy. Sure. If you tap into the history of Mother Earth and you look at, you know, feel her spirit, do you feel that humanity is the most destructive life form that has ever existed in her billions of years of existence? I'd have to say, yeah, it, most definitely. And the reason for that, a lot of it has to do with greed. Uh, that's the root of everything is the human ego and greed and the strong want for this and that and that's that's essentially yes but that's the root cause of to us being so destructive it's the greediness greediness for the natural resources greediness for more money that comes out of the natural resources um you know so yeah indeed definitely okay now, I want to give you a hypothetical. And what would it be like from how you feel if the roles were reversed, if humanity was unconditional, all-loving, and Gaia, spirit of the Earth, was ego-based? What would the properties of the Earth likely be if the Earth was an ego-based life form or ego-based <laughs> essence? I don't, even, I don't even know how to answer that because I don't even know why I'm laughing. Because I it's almost like a I think I'm picking up on some other consciousness. I'm not sure what it is. Maybe it's my own guides. I'm not sure, but that's making me laugh because it's almost like that's an, <laughs> an almost next to impossible. Such an absurd question. It, it could never be. It could never be like that, that way. Even hi, like hypothetically, I just I can't answer that because I just can't even fathom the idea. Let's examine real quick, and we're going to explore it. Do you pick up on any other life forms that are emulating from other planets within this galaxy? Do you feel that the Venus, Mercury, Pluto, all these other planets have a life essence and life form of their own, or is Earth the only one in our solar system that has a vibrant, active soul and spirit collectively evolving? No, I feel that every single planet has some kind of energy or life force to it. Um, the basic principle is that everything alive has energy. Everything alive has um, a spirit. Like the tree, like a lot of people look at trees and say that they're not alive, but they are. 
um, they're living beings um, just in a different form. It's the same with all the other planets. They have very different energies and uh, spirits of which that, well, this is where astrology comes into play. I'm sure Constance probably has a lot to say about that, because, but that's essentially how astrology works, where they bring in, they read the energies of each different planet as and how it interacts and affects the energies of the Earth and vice versa. Okay. And last question, Ms. Kaza, is this. Do you feel that Earth would ever retaliate in any capacity against humanity if it felt at one point that it was under direct threat? And in that same token, do you feel at this moment in time that humanity or its actions are at the apex of its threat or zenith of its threat or do you feel that humanity may have posed a bigger threat to the Earth in earlier times? No, well, I have to go back to what I said a few minutes ago about the Mother Earth, about the Mother Energy. It's about unconditional love, and that's what Mother Earth has in in her spirit. It's an unconditional love for humanity as a whole. It doesn't matter what we do, doesn't matter what we say. There will always be that unconditional love. But what goes hand in hand with that is pretty much the same mother concept. Um, for me, for example, if anything, I don't care who you are or what you are, but if you ever harm or try to harm any of my children, look out, because I'll, I'll, I'll lambaste you one at the very least. Mother Earth is the same way. Um, would never it would do all that it possibly could to try to to protect her quote unquote children us humanity, but at the same time it also wouldn't put us in direct line of fire either. So in other words, you know, like to answer your question about you know if the if Mother Earth would do something to try to save itself even to the detriment of us, no, would not do that. But what about the animals? What are the animal kingdom? Uh, the animals not also the children of, of Gaia, the yes. spirit of Earth, and aren't would not would Earth not take the actions needed to, I'd say, stop humanity from preying upon and torturing and harming the animals? There's only so much that Mother Earth can do because the energy of the humanity is actually much more. Um, what's the word I'm looking for? Not powerful, but um, I'm trying to think of the word that I'm trying to come out with. It, it, human, because they're in human form, can do a lot more than what Mother Earth can do. So, uh, like Mother Earth would not harm the animals. Let, let, for example, I guess maybe what you're trying to say is may, maybe she'll try to put an animal into extinction just to pr protect that that species. That's not Mother Earth doing that. That's us. Okay. Well, what about let's say there's a as a as a farm, uh, you know, the the slaughterhouse would like would planet would would Gaia pull into that atmosphere a meteor that would hit the <laughs> no. animal farm? No. Slaughterhouse. Again, it's all about unconditional love. Um, for some reason, I'm being reminded and realize I'm not one that has followed the Bible, but I'm being reminded of Cain and Abel and how 
their mother, Eve, didn't matter how what Cain did to Abel, but there was still that love there. Um, it's all about a, per, a person's individual karma. It's the, actually the universe that would take care of karma, not Mother Earth. Mother Earth is only uh, a portion of the universe. The universe is the ultimate. The divine is the ultimate. And so when you're talking about a situation like that, let's say the slaughterhouse, well, that's an individual karma. Therefore, individual karma gets taken care of, quote-unquote, by the universe or divine, not by Mother Earth. Miss Lisa Kaza, thank you so much for your very beautiful and soothing insights into the spirit of Earth, who we refer to as Gaia. To learn more about Miss Lisa Kaza and to get a reading with Miss Lisa Kaza, please go to her website at lisakaza.com. Thank well, you so for much for having me again, Ryan. Okay, everyone, that concludes today's edition of the Adult Limits of Inner Truth Radio Show. Special thanks to our incredible guests, and special thanks, as always, to our virtues, Miss Carrie O'Connor, Miss Lisa Kaza, and Miss Constance Tellis. To learn more about the Outer Limits of Inner Truth Radio Show, please go to our website at OuterLimitsRadio.com. Till the next time we meet, my friends, wishing upon you an abundance of peace. Love and beers. Take good care. Have an unbelievable rest of the week and have a fantastic, happy Earth Day. Thank you so much for listening.